You are listening to episode 273 of the Game Deflators podcast. My name is John, and I'm joined by Ryan. Hey, everybody here at the Game Deflators podcast. We like to talk about games. We've recently picked up games we're currently playing, and we're busy making burgers for the big game in this week's Inflation Deflation Challenge. So this week we're playing Burger Time Deluxe on the Game Boy. Yeah. That's the first time we played a Game Boy game, like Game Boy game, not Game Boy Advance or anything like that in a while. Yeah, yeah. I know. I was trying to think of like, what's something that is out of the norm for us? And who doesn't love a good Game Boy game? And we hardly ever talk about them. Yeah, this was a solid one, actually. Um, I was kind of surprised, but we'll dive into our inflation deflation segment later in the episode. Uh, first, you can find us on the gamedeflators.com. You can also find us on YouTube. Just find the Game Deflators if you want to see some old episodes and any couple unboxings we've done and little things of that nature. I really got to do like more videos on there, by the way. Mm-hmm. Like, just have fun with it. Actually, I'll talk about it in a moment. Let me finish this part. Uh, you can find us on social media at Game Deflators on X, at The Game Deflators on Instagram, Facebook, and Threads. I really got to get the threads too. And of course, you're listening to a podcast application. So leave us a five-star review, like, subscribe, all of that good stuff. And we'll hope to hear from you soon. So as far as video is concerned, uh, I was talking to Justin because we're playing so much Power World as of late. I was, uh-huh. like, I was like, man, I really should just stream this at this point. Mm-hmm. And he's like, just get OBS. I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. And I have a whole audio set up. So I should just get OBS. So I installed OBS um we have a twitch we do have a twitch but i'm gonna use youtube actually mm, we have it. that too yeah <laughs> we do have that too as i just mentioned uh so i'm hoping it's not gonna be like from the very beginning like let's start pal world it'll no, probably no. just kind of kick off from like where we are um but i mean it's just good fun we just kind of sit back and we chat and you know play pal world whenever we can it's not going to be like a once a week at this time type of deal um but it'll be good enough to where you know, we'll just play a little bit of games and see how that goes. So, uh, yeah, I downloaded OBS. I'm trying to figure out like how the heck it actually works, you know, linking like I got it linked to YouTube, but I'm trying to figure out the whole like get it to show my screen and pick up the audio correctly. And, you know, I didn't want to like, for example, I didn't want to go like live, which it was kind of forcing me to go live initially. So I'm trying to figure out how do I go to private live? Kind of how we do with like um, StreamYards. So uh-huh. we can kind of stream it, get it all done. If I need to do any sort of editing, I can. I just don't want to do like 100% live. I'd like to at least have the video, you know, put on YouTube, kind of analyze it, make sure audio is good and all of that before it actually hits hits the yeah. web. So we'll see. I got to figure all that stuff out. But uh, beyond that, uh, pickups, I got my copy of Woe Long um, in this week, uh, actually yesterday. And the guy sold it to me as like new. I get the damn game and it's got this long scratch going across like edge of a disc to the center. I'm like, how do you miss that? Like like new is supposed to be if you just pull it out of a shrink wrap, you looked at it, said, wow, this is a cool disc back. Put it back in and then sold it. That That's like new. And that's why people get pissed at GameStop all the time when they open up their games, because by all definitions, that is like new mm-hmm. by all definitions. Um, so that said, uh, I did email the guy. I'm like, dude, come on. Like, I just got it. Here's a picture of a scratch going all the way across. Like, it's not deep. It's just one of those like light scratches. But I'm like, I bought this game from you to save a couple bucks on a new copy because it's like new. You know, I could have paid two more dollars and just got a, a brand new sealed copy. So the guy's like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't see a scratch. I'll give you like five bucks. And at first I was like, hmm. That sounds good, but I just want to do a full return because I'll just buy another copy. I looked on eBay and all the copies are now like 35, 40 bucks. I'm like, well, yeah, OK, give me five bucks. Like so it ended up costing me like $20 for a new copy or like new copy of a scratch. Um, I mean, will it run? Did you check it? Not yet. Uh, I will. I'll make sure it. I still have 30 days or 15 days from the point of that to be like, hey, dude, I'm running the game. It's not working. So I could still technically open up a case. I didn't open up a case. He just sent me a partial refund. So I'll do that this week. 
and see what happens. But I'm sure it's fine. Um, it should be no issue. It's more so just the thought of like you buy a game expecting a certain condition. And then when you get it, it's not that condition. So that's the issue there. And then uh, I did get a few magic cards. Um, yeah, you did. I I ended up buying after our whole like infinity thing that we did. I was like, what other cards are in infinity? It would be like funny. And I found space Belleron. So it's literally Jace with a space helmet. And <laughs> I don't remember the abilities, but it was like like 30 cents for a foil. I was like, yeah, I got to grab space Belleron. So I grabbed a playset of him just to have a playset of him. It cost me a couple bucks. So that was my other pickup. And then as far as what I'm currently playing, uh, I am playing Power World still. We are level 24. Uh, we are expanding our bases. So we've got two bases. We got to continue leveling up to get more bases, uh, but we'll do that soon. And we are catching every single pal that we could possibly catch. We did do the glitch where you can catch the first boss uh, with like 100% success. So we both, Justin and I both did that. We went back to back. I caught it the first time, did it again. He caught it the second time. And it is the most broken thing in the game early on because mm -hmm. when you capture the boss, it has 30,000 HP. Oh, so, so you compare, can stomp anything else. You don't even need to stomp things. Like you can go against like crazy, like level 40 things and throw him in there and they just don't lose HP fast enough. So like these things could get like completely wrecked for easily an hour, I would say, before you have any sort of issue like battling something huge. So we just kind of sit in the wings and wait and we're like, okay, that creature's at, you know, a 30% catch rate. Let's try to catch it. So that's what we've been doing. And it's been kind of fun to do that. Do you um, have guns yet? No, we don't have any guns yet. Um, although I do have a dinosaur that when you hit level 30, it has rocket launchers on it. Oh, nice. Yeah. So when everybody's like, it's like Pokemon. No, no. Pikachu does not have like a cannon on him. Like pals do. Digimon. Poke Digimon do. So yeah. it's closer to Digimon, except you don't capture Digimon with spheres. So it's pretty hilarious. After them with your heart. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> so uh, we're enjoying it. And the dungeons are great, too. Like we do dungeon raids and stuff, um, which are a lot of fun. And then we're actively, like I said, building up our base, different types of supplies and materials to build towards other things. We just got the ability to start building uh, with stone. So we'll probably build a stone base next. And then uh, from there, we'll just kind of, you know, start working on anything else that we can. Mm -hmm. But a lot of exploring right now and a lot of just catching different things, leveling up, flying around, getting killed by things that were too low of a level for and so on. So it's good stuff. Uh, Tiny Tina's. So. I think this game has like 11 chapters. My wife and I are on like chapter seven or chapter eight. Uh, she did say that she has a game that she wants to play next. She has not told me what it is. So kind of getting ready to see what that title might be. So I will let everybody on the podcast know as soon as we uh, as soon as we learn that. Uh, but Tiny Tina's is Tiny Tina's. I mean, it's, you know, the the story, like I said, it's, it's funny. It's got some quirky bits to it. It's just hilarious to kind of hear some of the commentary throughout the game. My wife did agree with me the other night is far too much loot, uh, but it is kind of fun to have like upgrades I mean, of Borderlands whole thing. Loot I know the game, but it's way too much loot, dude. Like every single enemy you kill, it's like, here's 10 things of like yeah. common loot that you uh, don't need. Like, why do you even put it out there? Like when you hit a certain level in the game, it should realistically just be everything is a rare. Everything's an epic item, you know, like. But then you have to look at all the items technically yes so but the, if it's got junk loot that you don't even have to look at you get the reward of a big loot explosion but without all the tedium then don't drop any loot at that point but then you're not getting that satisfaction of a big loot explosion which is what their whole thing is it's stupid <laughs> that's all i'm gonna say it's dumb there's a reason i guess i didn't play borderlands why, why do you collect all the coins in mario levels like you don't use them for anything you do in a new one yeah but in most of the other ones you don't and like whenever we play like old games, you're like trying to collect every you like do gem in the level. Actually, like something actually you do take the coins because 100 coins gets you a one up. Yeah, but that's meaningless most of the time. Not true. It's actually in certain Mario games it's actually pretty critical to get that extra life. Mm hmm. It is. You pl let's play lost levels without any sort of like okay, cheat code to get 100. Mario lives. Game. Let's just choose the hardest one. Actually, it's start there. And I think it's all of the super easy, like 3DS ones and stuff. 
having actually... collecting coins for no reason. I think it's actually quite easy loss levels. It's a lot of fun. We we actually we should play that one just I'm to not see. Good at platformers, but I do like some you know Super Mario World. There we go. Yeah. Well, it's not more. It's not World. It's uh, Lost Levels. Oh, Lost Levels. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. We'll play that. Uh. All right. And then I'm gonna cap it off. Well, not cap it off yet. Uh. MTG sorting. So I've just been doing playing around with cards, Ryan. Just pulling all of my rares out, all of my uncommons, sticking them into binders. I did find a couple weeks ago, you know, like the card pages, the plastic ones that we used to use as kids for Pokemon. It's like slotted in from the top. Yeah. They now make them with like that felt backing and then slide in from the sides, like the high quality, like oh, dude, you big need binders. on like the K-pop card game. Like this is old news for me. I Bree has so many binders set up in different ways. Like <laughs> see, I didn't binder did check she... has gone through the roof. Has she purchased like the ones that are like that felt back and then the slide? On oh, the yeah. Bree has like okay. double sleeve card back like stuff. I'm not She's, messing like, deep in the game. I'm not going that far. But that said, I am enjoying the new types of like pages that they have nowadays. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's been pretty cool to just kind of go through all of my rare. So what I did yesterday, as a matter of fact, is I grabbed all of my rare goblins that I have and anything tied to goblins. And I sorted in the first few pages, like all of my goblins are here. I'm going to have like all of my field wipes on another page and so on for my rares. I'm not going to do alphabetical order. I did that for my uncommons. Definitely not doing that for my rares. But the idea that I have here is like uncommons and commons and like two binders and then all of my rares and mythics and two binders. Mm -hmm. And then it'll be easy for me to just kind of flip through. It'll be more binders in that long term. Uh, but for now, it's two binders. And that's the hope is that down the road, I could just kind of pull out a binder and say, okay, I need this good common, this good uncommon. And then all my other stuff that's kind of built into boxes is you're like, oh, I need like a 20 cent rare, or I mean a 20 cent uncommon or 20 cent common. It typically isn't in the higher dollar binder. Mm -hmm. So that's the idea. And then I'll cap it off here with Tales of Symphonia. So I did play quite a bit of this. Yay. Yeah. I'm so update. Uh, so I went through to uh, Asgard and did the whole like, they had the winds spirit or whatever. And it turned out it wasn't a wind spirit that was trying to get people to like sacrifice themselves for it. And it was like some sort of demonic thing. Uh, so defeated that and then started making my way through towards um, the, uh, it's not the catacomb. It's the, the basically the wind, uh, what do you call it? Wind dungeon. Mm -hmm. So, or wind temple, I guess I would say. Uh, I went there, I went ahead and defeated the main boss in that temple. Uh, and the puzzles were super easy. So people were like, oh, it's confusing. Like, no, not really. Like it kind of tells you the colors as you're going around, you write it down and just go up and do the little windmill puzzle. Um, so I beat the boss. No issue. I was like, I'm good. I exit and then I get attacked by Sheena and her like demonic thing that she has with her. And then she killed mm -hmm. me outright. I was like, man, I couldn't even save after killing the boss. I had two back to back boss battles. All the way at the end of a dungeon, I was so unprepared for it. She demolished me. So I said, all right, let's kind of go up to like Lewin or whatever it's called or Lumen town. Uh, did whatever I need to do out there. Saw Sheena there. I'm like, well, you can't be two places at once. That's that's not fair. Mm -hmm. So I then went up to I think it's the Tower of Mana and went there and they're like, it's locked. So now I got to make my way back to um, the Balakroff whatever it's called. I'm so bad at names in this game. I'm trying Alicron to get good at mausoleum. Yeah, the mausoleum. I kept thinking catacombs, but mausoleum. So I made my way back to Balakroth. I have loaded up on items. I am going to level grind in the mausoleum in the mausoleum because there's actually like 200 experience points you could get like per battle. So I'm just going to level grind here for a little bit to get to the point where I can actually beat her with no issue and then move move on forward in the game. But so far, I'm enjoying it. Like it's good stuff. The battling is pretty seamless. Like there's no issues there. I did have a question for you though. Mm -hmm. So under or on top of the character names with their HP and stuff, it says ready. I don't know what that is. Like it's, it always says ready during battle. So I'm not sure if that's like some sort of like limit break of some sort that I'm supposed to use, but I've pressed every button during battle and I can't do anything. Like it doesn't go away. So I know you have like oh, the UTAC for unison attacks. Well, so how does a unison attack work? R3. Oh, it's R3. Okay. That makes sense then. So 
I'm going to try unison attacks and see how that works. I might be able to beat her as is. I, I yeah, literally it's an attacks. It's like you attack and then you can have somebody else like attack at the same time. Mm. And you can set like the different commands for like people, I think. And that's the UTEC piece that's on there. And then everybody so, has yeah. their own command. Yeah. Okay, I would look so, it up. I'm just kind of Googling this as you're talking. <laughs> yeah, no, that makes sense. So basically, like, I would press, like, up attack. And then everybody would do their up attack at the same time for the unison attack. That makes sense. So you kind of want to strategize around, like, okay, I want one person maybe do a boost while the other person does X attack. And the other person might do, like, a healing spell. And the other person does their magic. So that makes a lot of sense, actually. So right. I'll be looking into that then. Uh, but that's it for me for this nice. week. Yeah. So I did not pick up anything this week. I have been playing some more Persona 3 Reload, and I'm finding it to be pretty good. Um, it's super stylish. I've been watching a bunch of videos on it. Everybody seems pretty happy and receptive to it. I'm trying to go a little bit lighter on it compared to, I think I put so much pressure on Persona 4 just because it was like, you know, for the new game's resolution and I knew it was going to be this big giant game and I knew that there was like so much that you could do and had to do and things that you could do kind of wrong. Um, so I was really trying to follow a guide and, you know, I felt just like there was so much on it. So this one, I'm just trying to like sit down, play it like, you know, any old regular game, like just no guide, just have fun and go through. So... um I'm only like, I don't know, a week into the game or so because it's on like a calendar year. Uh, I'm just kind of exploring Tartarus for the first time. So I guess, John, a little bit of background for you. So you move to this new island. You're a student um, every day at midnight, like time stops and it becomes the midnight hour and this giant dungeon springs up from your school that you go to. And you got to explore uh, the dungeon to defeat like the shadows that are invading the world. And then during the day, you do school stuff, make friends, get a job, shop. So Strixhaven. Yeah, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> so basically, yeah. <laughs> so um, I got a dorm with a bunch of other people that are able to see the midnight hour and we're a team and we've got these personas and we take these weird gun things and shoot ourselves in the head and then magic monsters come out to do battle for us <laughs> what if this was like the start of a game they shoot themselves in the head and now that's it but now they're in the afterlife and they don't realize it and they continue yeah. to rehash this witching hour at 12 exactly yeah okay so that's great i mean so far it's going pretty good i'm just kind of in my first section of like trying to go up the dungeon it's just like floor by floor there's like enemies that you run into the battle system is so snappy like you're a big rpg guy so once you've like identified an enemy's weakness you can just like hit a button that will automatically like pull up that attack for you so that you can just click to do the attack and whenever you hit an enemy with their weakness they get knocked down and then you can throw it over to somebody else on your team who can do a weakness for another enemy, knock them down. And then once everybody's knocked down, you just get a free like all out attack where all of your party just piles on and like a big beat up. So it's like the battles go super, super quick. So you're not like spending a lot of time sitting around just like, you know, Final Fantasy 10, like just X mashing your way through fights. <laughs> Well, I mean, 10, you don't X smash, but 15, you do. 10 is actually a lot of fun fight wise. Well, I mean, 10's fun fight wise when you're fighting bosses, but like when it's just like regular enemies and you're just like walking, like most of the time you're just mashing X in those fights to get through it. Um, Yeah. For So for future reference, for anybody that wants to play 10 down or hasn't done it, the battling for like against monsters does get far better when you can start catching them. Mm -hmm. So you actually start wanting to actually fight uh, because when you get start getting X amount of monsters, it allows you to get like 10 of each and capture them like Pokemon uh, and then end up battling them in the arena, which leads to a crap ton of experience and ways to level out the sphere grid. There's a lot of fun things you could do battle wise. But yeah, you're right. Like earlier on before all that stuff happens, it's kind of like it's tedious. 
Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's really good. I'm liking it. I think that for the most part, people think that it's a really good new adaptation and we'll see how far I make it. But that's it's pretty much all I've been playing this week. I'm a guess like 25 hours. Yeah. Who knows? That's what I'm going to put my money down. I'm not going to put any money down, but I'll put my <laughs> bet down on that. Yeah. Very nice. Well, uh, so before we get into our discussion topic, I should want to ask you, did you see um, that Crunchyroll or Funimation is closing down and merging with Crunchyroll finally? And, and what Sony doubled the charge? Yeah. So I'm canceling my account, obviously, at Funimation. But did you also see that they're like not giving people access to things that they've already purchased through Funimation? Yeah. They're losing access to all their like digital yeah. uh, purchases for like DVD extra features and things like that, which is mm-hmm. like. I, I guess some people would do that. I just can't imagine like going to a website and be like, yeah, I'm going to pay real money so that I can watch the DVD bonus features on this website. It's like, just, just YouTube. buy the DVDs. Buy physical. <laughs> well, you have them. This is your once every like few episode reminder to buy physical. Yeah. Okay. Discussion topic, the importance of music and video games. So I don't know how far we're going to get with this. I was just like, this might be good. It might be bad to discuss. I have no idea. Uh, but, you know, I started thinking about as I'm playing like Tales of Symphonia. And for me, the music in the game is has been so subtle in the background. I never even notice it's happening except mm-hmm. battles. Battles, I can kind of, you know, the battle music hits. and You're like, oh, this is an important battle, right? Like, I know this is a boss battle. But the rest of the game just hasn't like, you know, just hasn't like stuck to me versus other games like Chrono Cross where the music for me is so iconic or Final Fantasy 10 where like you hear the music and you know like that's Final Fantasy 10 or Final Fantasy 7. Mm-hmm. Um this just isn't doing it for me from a music standpoint. So I don't know, I just kind of wanted to talk about like how, you know, some soundtracks can make a game and some soundtracks can ruin a game. So yeah. I don't know, what what has been your experience with some of like music in the past? Like what has stood out to you and has it you know, I wouldn't say, I guess, has it ruined the game for you? Has it kind of made it not as fun, uh, depending on the music? I, I usually don't think so. Um, I mean, I obviously watch a lot of game content online and most, you know, really good reviewers will talk about, you know, all aspects of a game, including music. And at times when I had considered like, oh, maybe I should make a, a YouTube and do like game reviews and stuff. Whenever I thought about the music aspect and talking about it, I was always like, I don't really listen to much music like in my own time. Like I've got music that I like and I do listen to, but I mean, I don't listen to a lot of music like while I'm driving or doing anything like that. I mostly listen to like podcasts or YouTube stuff, but it's still super important and it's still something that you can get really cued in with. And I think I also spend a lot of time multitasking when I play games. So that can really be one of the things that gets hit the most is you don't really get the music because you're listening to like a TV show or or something else on the side. So a lot of that has kind of missed me. Um, But like one experience I did was uh, Hollow Knight. Hollow Knight was one of the games that I played on Switch on the TV more than I played in handheld and some of the music in that game just really, really gripped me. Um, like another song that I remember like getting super hype was like, uh, in Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, like the gym music, like when you get into like the final gym battle, like, and the music ramps up and you get like, Oh yeah. Like it feels good. Like Pokemon music in general has always been like a stick in your head kind of thing and a lot of like that i think the older music sticks there because they had you know less to work with so they had to really make it hit that much harder and yeah i just i don't know talking about music and games has always been difficult for me i don't have a lot of good ways to articulate what i really want to say about it no, I mean, it makes sense. And and so like I've even thought about like certain as you've been talking, like certain games that I played that had no music. Right. So Apex Legends for me stands out as a game that didn't necessarily need music in the background outside of like your menu and, and whatnot, because you kind of have to listen for what's happening. Right. So there are certain games that like music would ruin it. Yeah. Right? That would completely de- 
diminish everything about Apex Legends and some of the abilities and things that you're doing, really any first person shooter. But like Halo, the music that's really, exactly what I was thinking about. That's a game. <laughs> yeah, that's a game where it's an iconic soundtrack tied to to that title. And like it, it kind of gets you in that mood as you're like, you know, going through and defeating various enemies and yeah, charging up the hill on a warthog. And it's just like that music starting to swell. And you're like, you got the yeah. guy on the back and you know, and you're, your and you're sitting there with like your buddy playing multiplayer split oh, screen. Oh, dude. Yeah. It hits so hard when you're playing that game. In fact, I told my wife uh, yesterday, I was like, you know, now that we've kind of figured that you're good at first person shooters, might have to play some halo she's like isn't that just like apex legends i'm like oh no 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 i'm like there's story involved here like this is something that we could legit sit back and play now and we'll be happy that we played it so uh i'm excited for that future that'll be a lot of fun uh but yeah i mean like that's a game where obviously music really kind of amps it up and then things like uh ori uh will of the wisp and playing that title, the music is so good. I mean, there's a separate soundtrack that you can get and it's phenomenal, right? Like that's a game that really kind of the music enhances what you're playing as a platformer. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, it sets the scenes that it, it really kind of gets you in the mood to play the game. And it's uh, sometimes music and games acts as like a reminding factor down the road. Yeah. You know, like there's certain soundtracks and certain bits that when you hear them, you're like, ah, that game. Yeah. And then there's other ones you hear and you're like, I don't know what that is. Yeah. Right? Like I, I love when like Paper Mario is like one of my favorite games ever. And I'll be watching like a YouTuber's video and they'll just have like, you know, a Paper Mario song is kind of their general like background behind like them talking in a video. And it's like, oh, you know, I just I feel at home like and I am right on the tone that they're giving me because i know where they're coming from with that kind of whole feeling and everything because yeah. like it's very I, video game music is meant to set a mood and give you kind of a a handhold into like how to feel about a scene and sometimes it can be very deliberate and i hear people describe that in music a lot in video games like you know really kind of guiding and leading you in those ways yeah and obviously if a if a game is not using good music or it just isn't as iconic to that point it doesn't hit as hard right so you could have a fantastic game great story and the music just isn't doing it for you and it's kind of how it is like so tales of symphonia right like it's a mm -hmm. good story and i'm enjoying it but i think a better soundtrack Would might help. actually like take it to that next level and mm -hmm. i just don't feel that with that game right now like it's not it doesn't feel iconic yeah the the uh, like the the actual musical scores that are built into it so, yeah i, I don't uh, know some, somebody out there in podcast land will will bitch me out about it and say that i'm totally wrong and cancel right. me it's but a classic iconic soundtrack it's an iconic game on the gamecube you're crazy john um so one thing i actually i was watching i found a new youtuber earlier chill dungeon uh, I've been watching some of his videos the last few days. They're really good. Uh, he did a video on that. You remember we did that Blue Stinger game? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you know that that's set at Christmas? Is it? Yeah. So like just a little bit past where we stopped playing, like maybe if we had played for like another half hour, we probably would have gotten to this area where it was like all Christmas and has this like horrible repeating Christmas jingle music that they like made for the game that just like repeats on loop and was driving him nuts interesting like you know certain games can have that kind of quality too where it's like you can have like that just grating bad music and it just loops and there's just no escape like as long as you're playing the game you're just you know especially in old games like if you didn't like the music well there's not a lot of it <laughs> well so i guess one other thing on music dnd &D scenes that i get with you guys i think i was what was it you guys were in like this happy-go-lucky scene and i had like quidditch music or something and you guys were like this is really setting the tone for the scene like it's supposed yeah. to be just, like dark undertones and i have like happy-go-lucky music i'm like oh shit hold on yeah uh, and then had to swap it out so but to point when you sit on things on loop, it's really difficult for D&D. &D. So oftentimes you have to find soundtracks that are like an hour long and maybe mm -hmm. kind of bridge into different types of audio. Or you have to find something that has a continuous loop. So at the end of a song, it kind of phases in really slow and then it phases back in 
immediately. So it's not like this obvious pause, like, oh, the music stopped for 10 seconds. Now it's kicking back on. Uh, I know so, yeah, that, music that could... into D&D was definitely like a fun challenge. Like I tried using like those different like sound boards and I tried just like having playlists of things. And yeah, it was very um, <laughs> it was it was interesting to try to put that hat on and see how game designers, you know, might have to deal with that in their own ways, except and in their cases, you know, they're usually like they probably create the content. They know the mood and atmosphere and stuff that they want. Then they go to a professional and that person makes the music to adapt to it because everybody's a skilled professional and they can do that. They're not just looking up YouTube and trying to be like, ah, this is close enough. Yeah. For D and D in particular, for me, I just kind of, it's when I get to the table, like yeah. now battles, I do kind of select. I'm like, okay, like this could work for battle music tonight based on what they're facing. Like I try to go about my battle music differently but like the general background music, I'm like, okay, they're going to be in a tavern. This is probably pretty good music for a tavern. And I have like, uh, I think it's Bardify is what I've been using. Mm. And they have like different scenes for like, oh, they're in the woods. They're in the mm -hmm. swamp. They're on a mountaintop. They're in the snow. Like this is what they would typically like background music. And, and that works pretty well too. But as of late, I've been on that like Harry Potter kick with you guys. I'm like, man, they're in a magic school. Yeah. Right, so it kind of works. Uh, some oh. other music stuff in games, I guess we could talk about a little bit is like music games themselves. I mean, with like uh, rock band or guitar hero or something going to make, you know, some kind of reappearance in the epic Fortnite verse of games that they're making. You know, there's a new peripheral controller that I've seen advertised semi recently that's going to be coming out soon. So like we're going to be back in plastic guitars and you know jamming out to like real songs it's like a big heavy thing again moving in forward. vr mm -hmm. in vr, VR. Yeah. a beat saber yeah. huge love me some beat saber that'd be kind of fun yeah there's lots of good you know ways for like music in gaming is one of those spaces that's like like i was talking about a couple of weeks ago like the the drum percent mario speed run you know like there's so many ways that music is incorporated into gaming that is so different than how other things can really you know bridge together like trying to bridge together music and like a tabletop board game you know like settlers of Catan or something like you could play music in the background but like to make music happen and be incorporated into something is way more difficult in a lot of uh other mediums and games have this like real compelling way to try to push that forward and merge things together and i think we're just going to see more and more cool ways moving forward into the future of you know other people trying to control games with instruments or you know other instrument versions of games in general yeah all exciting stuff man and it really just kind of comes down to uh music honestly just being super important to games mm. in general so Let's uh, dive into these uh, articles, dude. I think we got some good stuff this week. Uh, so do you want me to do the quick spiel or you got it? Uh, so, yeah, this week we're going to take a look at Pal World Designer Pocket Pair ripping off another genre defining game. False. Uh, Disney decides that they want to throw some big money investments into the gaming space. And lastly, we take a look at how Batman was able to take down the Suicide Squad all by himself. That one made me laugh, by the way, that last one. Mm -hmm. um, so our first one here is Pocket Bear has a new co-op Metroidvania roguelike that rips off dead cells way harder than Power World ever copied Pokemon. And it's uh, Steam Next Fest demo is awesome. So this is Austin Wood at Games Radar. Um, Austin, I don't appreciate the title because Pocket Bear has definitely not copied Pokemon. <laughs> they have pulled the essence of Pokemon in spheres and pals and upgraded it to a far superior monster catching experience. Um, so you may want to revise that title a little bit. They turned uh, that said Digimon and it's what everybody always wanted. What's that? They said they turned Pokemon into Digimon and it's what everybody always wanted. Hear me out. What if they just merged Pokemon and merged Digimon and call the pal world? Agutu. <laughs> All right, so Power World uh, creators, they've uh, gone ahead and made this game called Nevergrave, which is basically a uh, Hollow Knight, but with co-op and farming. I mean, that right there, I mean, that's already enough, right? So some of the things, uh, obviously, a farming, 
uh, that's involved here. Uh, they have certain things that they take into consideration, like the ability to, I think it's hold magic uh, for later use. And they put some emphasis on certain things like that. And then there's also the ability to uh, take, like jump out of your body and turn into a witch. I think that's the biggest things here uh, that are different. However, uh, everybody that's playing, it says it's great. Like, so what Pocket Pair has done is taken a game that is, um, you know, well-revered in Dead Cells. And they've said, okay, well, it worked. Let's go ahead and put our spin on it. And honestly, there's By nothing wrong spin, with that. You mean like four or five other games? <laughs> yeah. So like all there's, together. There's nothing wrong with that. No, it's think, a classic I mean, thing. I mean, that's what made um that's what all games fighters yeah, blow up so huge. Like we have a genre called Metroidvania. Yeah. It's literally in the name Metroid Prime or Metroid and castlevania like it's a merge of those that specific franchise to make a game called a metroidvania right so like you have those types of games that are out there and everybody's copying that formula so why can't because it looks similar dude there's so many like indie games that look exactly the same that you can't tell the difference half the time and they're all the same genre so like this is kind of getting ridiculous. Like oh, Power World's copying again. The one thing that they do, they call out here that um, you know there are some mechanics uh, that are lifted pretty much beat for beat. And they've got like a short little bullet list that the portals you use to get around the map right down to their shape. The map layout itself is arguably of the level design, especially the second stage, uh, kicking doors open to stun enemies. A main character, in this case, a cursed hat who possesses bodies, uh, unlocking or unlocked items appearing in chained lanterns all around the hub space, a healing potion you refill between chambers and mid-run shop layout. So there's like certain things that they're saying, like these seem pretty close. The same way that like the pal sphere and the pokeball are probably pretty close. And a lot of the designs of some of the pals and Pokemon are pretty close, but that doesn't mean it's the same game. And also I'm sure other games, there's other games where you kick doors open to stun enemies. Yeah. And like the first thing that kind of comes to mind for me is you think about like Dark Souls series, right? How many games have come out since then that, you know, uh, Pi, for example, or not Pi, P, Legends of P. I don't know why I thought Pi. Uh, maybe I want Pi. Um, so or tale lies of, lies of p geez lies of p man lies of pie lies of pie yeah i'm all over the place today that game um where you basically play as pinocchio so first off we're ripping off pinocchio let's just get that out of the way jimmy cricket and everything else so but if you think about like the lanterns that you light up right mm -hmm. i don't know there's bonfires and dark souls that's a there's key element bloodborne. yeah well bloodborne is the same same group but like okay yeah bloodborne in terms of lantern but like all of those souls type games that have come out in the last 10 years, they all use a bonfire, a lantern, a shrine, some yeah. sort of like, you know, here's it's your stopping point. All yeah. All enemies reset everything, but it's, it's that idea, right? Like could you use anything for a checkpoint. Yeah. Theoretically you could use anything for a checkpoint. Um, I don't know. Uncharted and Tomb Raider, the whole concept tied to that, you know, um treasure hunter with guns and it's not laura croft that's a dude and there's puzzles and other things tied to it so like this whole idea that like power world developer or pocket pair is copying pokemon or copying dead cells there's so many other games out there that are using this like well you know, oh that formula worked for that key I, franchise we're gonna make our own spin yeah i think that this is mostly just like you know a catchy headline because they really do talk in the article about how this is like really different it has a lot of stuff i mean it's got four player co-op going for it it's got a whole soup of mechanics going on from like uh you get to choose your loot from like a hades kind of like loot pool it's got crafting and base building kind of mechanics uh some farming things to get buffs in between runs so like this is really a huge culmination of a whole bunch of other titles but I mean, if that's going to be this, um... but that's like the narrative they're painting, right? They're painting this narrative like Pocket Pair is this developer is just copying different assets when like realistically, this is just a formula that worked in different types of games. And they're saying we're going to pull all these great formulas 
and make a good game. There's other developers doing exactly this and they don't get called out for it. Right. Well, like, I think that it's just because of the recent headlines. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's fair. Make a catchy headline. It's fair to pick on yeah. the new guy in a sense. That's drawing a lot of attraction, right? Like I get it, but it's also painting a false narrative which will carry on, right? So the next game that Pocket Pair makes, unless it's like an all-new game, and he actually states that in the article. He's like, it'd be great to see him make an all-new game. Nowadays, there really isn't all-new games you can yeah. create. Kojima's doing like yeah. all-new games, kind of, right? Like, yeah. and they're weird as hell. But like, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Po- I mean, Death Stranding Pocket- is really just an evolution of Paperboy. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> so like if Pocket Pair said, we're going to make like a rogue espionage game, They'd be like, oh, that's Siphon Filter. Oh, that's Tom Clancy. Oh, that right there is going to be Metal Gear Solid. Oh, they've clearly copied all of these great games again. When it's like, no, like, how can you, you can't really do anything like genre defining nowadays. Everything's been redone so many times. It's like movies. You don't bitch out, you know, movie producers because their action title looks like another action title that came out 10 years ago. Like, if it's a good movie and a good story, then you praise them for it usually. So it's just kind of odd, right? Like I think there's a, I don't know. There's just like a witch hunt right now in pocket pair and everybody's trying to jump on that bandwagon. All right. Enough of my soapbox, right? <laughs> They're making a game. It it's pretty good. Apparently you should go check it out. There's a demo and all this other cool stuff. All right. Next thing here. Uh, Disney acquires $1.5 billion stake in Epic Games. Disney Games and Entertainment Universe are now connected to Fortnite, and that has recently been announced. So this is uh, Sal Romano at Gamatsu. Yeah, this is huge. Walt Disney Company acquiring a $1.5 billion equity stake in Epic Games. And, uh, I mean, they cite a lot in uh, this little, you know, notice that they kind of published here talking about how you know, they've been working with Unreal Engine on things like Kingdom Hearts 3, Star Wars Jedi Survivor, um, you know, in cinematic editing and animation for film and streaming, in the creation of more than 15 Disney Park attractions like Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run at Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. So Unreal is, you know, Epic's creation. It's a game engine, but, you know, they use it for more than just games. Like, they want this to be you know, the animation software that you use for your movies and everything nowadays. So I think that there is so much that's going to come from this type of partnership just because Disney has so many avenues that they can use Epic's technology through and to establish like a real big partnership and then to take that to the next level and say, okay, you know, we tried doing that. What was that Disney like? animal crossing thing that came out last year you know what i'm talking about disney dreamscapes or something i i don't know but oh were you like you play I, characters and you have your own little town and things yeah my, my wife actually wants to get that so we played a demo at target the other day okay i don't yeah, remember though so that's pretty popular but if that was in Fortnite, it would be huge you know if it was just a part of Fortnite that you could go spend time and money on and that's what Disney is going to want is to just like everybody who's locked into Fortnite and all these Disney adults, like let's give them, you know, a digital Disneyland that they can go in in their VR and it's all built in Epic and it's all hosted on Fortnite and we can just charge you a ticket every time you want to come in. I think it's pretty exciting. I mean, it's it's going to be a pretty cool experience for a lot of folks. Like you said, there's going to be a lot of ways to interact here. I do see it as a cash grab in, a, in some extent, though, because you're going to have like this virtual world where you can spend your hard-earned dollars on virtual pieces. And uh, it goes back to buying physical, right? Like in in this aspect, you don't really have a choice, right? Like yeah, if you want to experience no that. game disc of Fortnite. Yeah, exactly. So like... You kind of have to, if you want to experience this, it's going to be 100% digital, um, which makes sense, obviously. And if you want to spend your hard-earned dollars to buy things in this Disney epic metaverse, which epic-verse, I guess you can call it. We'll call it that. Um, yeah, go ahead and do so. It, it should be enjoyable. If you're a big fan of all of these different franchises, it's going to be a nice culmination of everything. Yeah, so we'll see what this leads to, but 
I mean, that's a lot of a lot of money to put behind them. So I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, that coming. I think that shows how serious they are with it and where they see the future is going with AI and, you know, these experiences through uh, through VR and such as well. So. All right, let's uh, go in to see how Batman defeated the Suicide Squad. So Arkham Knight has more players than Suicide Squad kill the Justice League on Steam. And uh, this is Paul Tassi of Forbes. So the player count, so a couple things here leading to it. So uh, because of the new Suicide Squad, it actually kind of re-engaged people that are fans of the DC universe into kind of restarting up Arkham Knight to play online. And it's usually like a really grindable game all the way through. Um, but it had a player base uh, recently of about 3,500 players or so, uh, maybe a little bit more than that. And Suicide Squad just released and Batman Arkham Knight is still holding strong with more players on Steam than the Suicide Squad, thus defeating it. I think this is kind of concerning. Uh, when I looked at the peak number of players for Suicide Squad on Steam, it was 13,000. That's all time peak. All time peak. Yeah. And it just came out. So when you consider like Power World, which its all time peak is like a million or something like that, and its current player base is 700,000, that's ridiculous. For a game that was just produced as like a triple A title uh, in the DC universe, this is actually very embarrassing to not only get beat by a game that's been out for a number of years, but to have it during the release period as well. So we talked about the Suicide Squad a lot a while back and how there's certain elements that they haven't done. Like you're, you're not required to have like loot boxes and things of that nature to progress. It says you can play it a single player and kind of go through. But it is concerning, right, to see this low of a number of players at this point. How much so, reaction have you like watched? Like I've watched a ton of people's reviews and impressions and stuff on suicide squad i haven't seen like a ton of reviews and impressions on it but i've seen like a few things here here and there like kind of hit twitter where it's like oh they completely um disregarded you know xyz in the dc universe like this doesn't well, sync up with like the lore and what should be happening any of that stuff really matters because it's like every game or movie or whatever is going to be kind of its own independent thing and like but I mean, that's all i've seen a million though. copies of comics that are all different stories so like i was listening to um a review the other day that kind of brought some of that up and i was like i don't think it matters like no you didn't really need a flash game before making a suicide squad kill the justice league game because guess what there's been flash games and other media like nobody needs to know where the flash came from in this video game universe before you kill him off in the suicide squad and it doesn't mean that you can't make a flash game two years from now because nobody's gonna hold this game as like being canon for all dc everything well, yeah, it's it's like if you look at Injustice, right? Like Injustice yeah. isn't necessarily canon. Like it is yeah. in that world, it's right? It's a different world. It's a game. It's fun. Like I think it's uh, there was a character of a shark character, King Shark, uh, who puts on like the Green Lantern's ring, I think. Yeah. And a scene like all that crazy stuff happens. Or like King Shark can't wear the ring. And it's like, why can't he? Like it doesn't have to be to your point canon. Like it could just be a fun experience in game. And that's part of it, this particular world. And that's why that's the great thing about like the multiverse in comic books is that you can have all of these different universes that are created and things happen differently on all of them. Yeah. So why does it have to be canon in like all, like you said, all of DC has to have this, yeah. right? Like that's not how it works in comic books. Like, I'm sorry, people like just cause it's canon in one part of the universe doesn't mean it's canon in another. That's yeah. the beauty of it. So, it's, yeah, and I don't think there's a need to pull that stuff into reviews either, but that's all I've been seeing is people bitching about stuff like that. So for the most part, a lot of people have had some positive stuff to say, like uh, the game is probably pretty fun for like the first few hours. Like the movement mechanics are like pretty interesting, uh, some of them a little bit more so than others. Some, you know, things are pretty uh, disappointing. And in the long run, the game really fizzles out just because it has very repetitive, simple mission structure without much variance. And it's just really setting you up to kind of like do the same boring stuff like again and again and again for future seasons with like maybe some new characters and skins and stuff. But it just doesn't seem like it really has the staying power. So if they're already getting more pull from their previous release game, than their current game on Steam, 
I mean, it's only a matter of time before this game fizzles out. Like, I don't think that the ultimate roadmap is going to be, you know, realized in this situation. I I have a feeling that this is a game that they just give up on, you know, in a year, like most things. I mean, they closed that Avengers game and that game, you know, was probably, you know, more of a fulfillment of the fantasy. Like people actually enjoyed playing as those characters but it just wasn't a good game and everything kind of structured around them wasn't as good. And in this one, it's just like, okay, how do we kill the flash? I guess we shoot him enough times. How do we kill <laughs> Superman? I guess we shoot him enough times. Well, and then All you're stick, doing uh, is like using guns. Yeah. It's like playing borderlands, but in the DC universe. Yeah. And then stick kryptonite in his chest and he is okay. And flies away. Like, mm-hmm. so yeah, I mean, I don't see this being supported long-term just like you. Um, but overall, like I said, concerning the low numbers on steam and they said, Oh, well, there's a lot of players on like consoles. Eh, probably not. You know, PC has a much larger base of players than console. So I'm pretty sure that, um, it's not going to do so hot on console either. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's look at our inflation deflation for the week. This is, uh, burger time deluxe and by the way my wife has been suggesting that we need to put some sort of like audio clip this segments like it's time for the inflation deflation challenge so we, we should, should explore that this could have been burger burger flipping sounds and it oh, would have yeah. been great um so it was developed hey, by b you haven't edited it yet john that's true i have not <laughs> edited it yet so maybe i'll maybe i'll like edit right here at this point no i won't but in the future is something to consider so it's been a developer was developed by data East published by data East released in February of 1991. It is a platformer with a reception of seven out of 10. I will say I went into this very blind. I just said, Ryan, let's play burger time. Did not mm-hmm. look at reviews. Did not look at even what type of game this was. Uh, even though I've seen burger time stuff in the past, didn't even just said burger time. Let's do burger time. Yeah. So in burger time, you play as Peter Pepper, uh, who I guess he's a famous hamburger cook in the food country. And I got most of this off of the Data East wiki here, so credit to them on <laughs> the background information. But uh, it opens up with your rival, Donutton, who is like your next door food rival, uh, trying to stop you from, you know, doing your burger thing. So he unleashes his minions, which are hot dogs, pickles, and boiled eggs to try to stop you. All things which I think you would actually put on a burger. So really not that threatening also why is a donut guy teamed up with all of these non-donut foods well i mean because you can put donuts on burgers so you gotta take down no you can put burgers uh, on donuts i hate you right (laughs) so what if you put uh burgers patties sandwiched around a donut but then what if you put two donuts around the two patties now you've got uh what is it called a what? An accordion. An accordion. <laughs> I was thinking a, a donut whopper of some sort. Um, that definitely exists. I couldn't figure out the name, but yes, it does exist. I have eaten donut burgers and they are delicious. I've made them at home, actually, and they are delicious still. Uh, okay, so. I, I Okay, so distracted. Moving All right. So, I want donuts now at this point. So, yeah, I totally get it. Actually, as you're playing the game, you do have the ability to crush these pickles and other minions and they kind of get mashed and in your let burger me set the as well. Stage here. Yeah, so, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Burger time. Very simple platformer. Uh, it's just a screen with ladders and different multi levels on each of the different levels. Like on the first stage, there is going to be a layer of a burger ingredient. So like a bottom bun, a patty. Uh, maybe like a tomato or something. And then at the top level would be like the top bun. And then as you go across the ladder, go up to the next level and walk across the ingredient, that ingredient will drop down to the bottom. And then you have to walk across each ingredient to get them to continuously fall down and make a full burger stack at the bottom of the screen. So your goal is to avoid these wieners and monsters that are coming out of these doors uh move around the ladders and uh, assemble all the burgers per screen and it's definitely got some challenge occasionally you get like a power-up that's like i think it's pepper or some kind of salt or something but you can grab that and throw it at the enemies to stun them for a moment 
uh, or like John was saying, if you if an enemy is on a level below you or on a ingredient as it falls, it will destroy the enemy. Good synopsis. I don't even think I really need to go into my gameplay overall. Like, um, I liked it. I had yeah, a lot of fun. It was fun. Yeah. I, I mean, I had a bunch and I got some game overs, but like on my third game over, I cleared like the first two screens again without, without even getting a hit or having to slow down just because I was starting to realize kind of how the enemies would like interact with the ladders and I was having to hesitate a little bit less. Well, and there's some some levels that as you kind of progress are, are almost like puzzle like mm-hmm. where there's a certain way to do it. And if you screw up just one little bit or hesitate, oh, you the die. One where you have to go all the way, and if you yeah, there's one that, to kill the enemies, then you you're just screwed. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And there's one that you start on the top, and you got to go across, get that before they come out on the bottom, and kind of make your way and like yeah, kind of stand in place, ladder in the middle. Otherwise, yeah, yeah. So there's a variety of levels later on to do things like that. So it's really kind of knowing, okay, cool, like oh, that's the puzzle. That's how I'm supposed to progress through this part of a level. And it does get a little challenging down the road, which is good. I mean, that's what you want in a game like this. And I had a blast of it. I mean, I was sitting there drinking a coffee and playing on a GBA and making burgers with yeah. uh, with Peter Pepper. So I would say I would I would definitely play this again uh, in passing. It wouldn't be one of those like, oh, I got to sit back and play me some some burger time deluxe uh for hours on end. But I think it's a great game where you could just kind of pick it up, play a bit, enjoy it kind of like Tetris. Yeah. Right, like you can pick up a game of Tetris and sip, if you're not playing competitively, you could pick it up and play it for a while, get through some levels, maybe 20, 30 minutes and say, all right, I'm good. You know, I'll play it next time and progress forward. And it's not like it's a, you know, game where you have to come back five years from then and uh, say, I really want to play this, but I got to relearn the controls. Yeah, you're just kind of moving left and right and occasionally stunning a couple enemies. So, yeah, this is the game that I think there's so many different like versions and releases uh, for different things over the years that this is a game that if I ever see it again somewhere else, like in an arcade or something, like I'll be excited to know what it is and visit it. Whereas I may have not before I may have just seen like, Oh, burger. Like, I don't know what that is. Like, I'm not going to play that. I'll play this instead. Now, if I see the burger time game, I'm definitely going over and playing a couple rounds. Yeah. So I've got a well, much better appreciation now. Yeah. Same here, actually. Well, uh, looking at pricing, uh, complete in box for this game, 105.01. It peaked at, well, 105.01 currently. Uh, kind of interesting. Uh, that is trending up as well. A loose copy will run you 23.72. That peaked in August of 2022 at 28.43. It is also trending up. And then digital console, you can get on the Switch Online service. Uh, so we set a 7 out of 10. I would probably put it at about a 7 out of 10 uh, as far as games like this are concerned. And... You know, I think at twenty three seventy two, I don't be, know, man. It might be a lot for just like a yeah. simple Game Boy game, especially when there's like so many other avenues. Like you could get this on a phone, you know, yeah. iOS <laughs> for a lot cheaper. I just think, you know, if you're a Burger Time enthusiast, maybe. Yeah, but being that there are, there are games, I wouldn't say very similar, but you can buy like cubert or dig dug or pac-man or tetris and have a very not similar experience in terms of gameplay but similar experience in terms of you're trying to kill some time you just want to play a quick few games like you went to an arcade and you picked up a cab and or not picked up a cab but went to a cab and started playing a certain title for 20 minutes this is kind of how i see burger time it's not a game that unless you're really enthusiastic and want to dive into it and speed run it and all these other crazy things you're just looking at this for casual play i think 23 is pretty high i'd put it more at like the 10 to 15 level yeah if this is if that's what i was looking to get out of a game i wouldn't be willing to pay more than 10 to 15 bucks for this yeah unfortunately it is one of those experiences that is like it's a good experience but it's just too simple for me to justify paying 20 bucks for because i'm not probably going to play it that much and really get you know that much out of it so yeah i'll say this is inflated yeah, and you know, I I usually like to kind of put things with that like movie comparison, right? Like you and a friend, you go to a movie, you spend two to three hours, and you pay fifteen bucks a pop. You're not going to be playing this two or three hours, maybe long term, but like you're not going to sit there and play two or three hours of Burger Time 
sitting down one day yeah. and say, yeah, this justifies my $25 plus spend yeah. in the store. I think you play happen. it for an hour and you're like, man, I wish I still had $15 so I could go buy a burger. There, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> With donuts on it. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Well, uh, as always, we don't know what we're playing next week. Maybe we'll play a Nintendo game. I was actually thinking Nintendo, like some sort of NES game okay. next Sounds week. Good. So maybe we look into something on there. Uh, but this has been episode 273 of the Game of Players podcast. My name is John. I'm Ryan. And thanks for listening.